Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Friday and really just one week away from the start of the college football season, at least the one that matters. I know technically the Big 12 started last week, although it didn't really look like they knew that. But the SEC, the games that matter to all of us, get started in just eight days from where I sit. A lot of you listen a day or two later, so a week or inside of a week for some of you from the start of the college football season. Welcome into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. And it's Bold Predictions Day, something that I do every year and... Uh, Certainly not the only one. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people do this. Uh, I wish uh, I was creative and could claim that I started this. I did not. However, this is really fun. I enjoy doing it every year. I've got bold predictions: three for Ole Miss, and then one for the rest of the SEC. Still, no news on Otis Reese. I saw Cade Mays won his appeal to the NCAA, and I think that should be. Although the NCAA is wildly inconsistent, and they just fly by the seat of their pants and um, make decisions um, on a case-by-case basis, and none of it really makes sense. However, you would think if they were more consistent, if they did use logic when they applied uh, their rules, that if Cade Mays is eligible, then Otis Reese should also be eligible. But no news uh, on that front in spite of a Twitter campaign that uh, he's leading now at this point. But like I said, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, the fact that his former teammates at Georgia are advocating on his behalf, well, it tells you a lot about the kid, number one, but also about the situation in general. If the team he left is petitioning to the NCAA online to get him eligible, and that's all you need to hear, right? At least that's all I need to hear. It tells you, again, a lot about the kid himself. If his former teammates, the team that he left, are supporting him in that way, and also... I mean, there's no reason for him not to be eligible at this point. But as of this recording on Friday morning, there is still uh, no news. Eight days from kickoff, he transferred in January, and there's no news. And we let them govern college football. It's the damnedest thing. Anyway, all right, bold predictions. But first, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you every single day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. The weather outside is beautiful. That means you should spend some time this weekend behind the grill. I'm looking at my phone right now. High of 82 on Saturday and Sunday here in central Mississippi. So wherever you are, you're probably getting similar weather. That's the kind of grilling weather you need. And get your weekend started at LB's. Also get one of their daily lunch specials if you're in town, but they are open seven days a week. Enjoy your football this weekend. The slated games isn't all that great on Saturday, but you have a full NFL Sunday. So get behind the grill, enjoy the weather, and then make that your game day stop. When you get into Oxford, the few of you that actually can go to the games, uh, stop at LB's first. They've got everything you need for your tailgate. And uh, of course, again, a daily lunch special, especially if you're coming in on Friday. Go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you at LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. All right, here we go. Bold predictions. Probably my favorite content item uh, of the year. I love this kind of stuff. I think it's goofy, and they're probably all going to be wrong, and you're going to love some of these, and you're going to hate some of these, but here mine are 
bold predictions for the 2020 season. Should I start with Ole Miss or should I start with the rest of the SEC? I'm going to start with Ole Miss. So I've got three for them. And the first one is Matt Corral is going to throw for 2,700 yards at least. At least 2,700 yards. So, you know, quick math in your head, that's 270-so yards per game. I think Ole Miss has the chance uh, to be really good offensively. I think the offensive line is uh, going to be better than people give it credit for. They've got some bodies up there, potential NFL-style bodies. Depth is a concern, of course, but as far as the starting five, if you want to call it that, um, they sneakily really believe in that group. And you already know that they've got all the skill positions to be a pretty potent offense. Yes, I know they have the best running back room uh, that they've probably ever had as far as raw talent is concerned. But I think they're going to open that offense up a little bit more. That wide receiver core, uh, people are giving it a lot of hell last year uh, for not producing. But I think it's just a product of the offense. You've got talented guys in that room. They just haven't been able to show it. And I think Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy are going to show that to you. The offense is going to be a little bit more open. They're going to throw the ball around a little bit. And, of course, they have some games where they're playing teams that I think they'll really be able to throw on. Arkansas, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. I think Mississippi State is going to struggle defensively in their first year. Uh, so there's a handful of games where they can really open up the offense and throw the ball. But I think that's going to be um, a pretty consistent thing. They're going to move the ball on almost everybody. That They're really talented offensively. And I think Matt Corral is going to have one of those kind of years. 2,700 yards or more. Bold prediction number one for Ole Miss. He takes, and barring injury, of course, the vast majority of snaps at quarterback, in my opinion. And I've seen a lot of people say that um, Plumlee needs 15 or 20 touches a game. And I understand why they say that, because he's a very electric athlete. He was um, tough to stop at times for a running quarterback. And he was able to outrun defenses at times. But in order to give John Rice Plumley 20 snaps a game, unless it's a quarterback, which I don't think it's going to be the case, that means you're taking carries away from Jerry and Ely. That means you're taking touches away from Snoop Connor. That means you're potentially taking touches away from Elijah Moore. You know what I mean? So uh, there's only one football to go around, and I don't think it's going to be where he takes 20 snaps a game at quarterback or he gets 20 touches a game. Because that means your NFL-caliber running back room is taking fewer of them. I know he's an electric athlete, but I think people are, are overselling how much he's going to be involved in the offense. I think. I could be wrong. Again, this is bold prediction day. But if you think he's getting 20 touches a game, I think that I would take the under if given the opportunity. Not that he's going to have, not going to have a role. I think he will. I think he'll take some snaps at quarterback on occasion. But I don't think he's getting 20 carries a game. I don't think that's happening. Because that means those are 20 carries that Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor did not get. You know what I mean? And those are really good running backs. And more physically equipped to do it. But that's just my opinion. Bold prediction number two. So number one, Matt Corral throws for 2,700 or more yards. Number two, kind of... Um, Contradictory to my first one, but that's okay. Number two is they're going to win two games because of their defense. And 
the narrative around Ole Miss defensively last year, I think, was an incorrect one because if you really look at that team, I mean, I mean, the team stunk, and nationally, nobody really watched them because they were poorly coached and they didn't win a lot of games. But especially in the second half of the season, that defense kept them in a lot of games. Auburn and Texas A&M stand out to me. Mississippi State as well. Ole Miss defensively played well enough to win those games. They just couldn't score. I mean. LSU lit them up because LSU lit everybody up. Did you watch Joe Burrow last night? I mean, Joe Burrow already looks like a franchise NFL quarterback. He already looks like that. And that's game two in the NFL. So, of course, that guy lit up Ole Miss defensively last year. But their defense kept them in games. They just couldn't score, especially against Auburn and Texas A&M and Mississippi State. I might even be forgetting one. I think defensively, Ole Miss is going to win a couple of games for them. Because they showed you last year they can do it. And now you've got a healthy Sonogo. Sam Williams has been cleared to play. You've got um, a guy that Lane Kiffin, who does not say this about everybody. One thing Lane Kiffin has showed you he does not do is unnecessarily hype up players that he knows aren't going to contribute. And the way he talks about Dean Leonard, um, he says he's an NFL corner. I mean, that that's the way Lane Kiffin talked about him recently. So uh, he doesn't do that just for all of his players, like some coaches do. Some coaches just hype up every player and, oh, he's great and all this stuff. Kiffin doesn't do that. And so when he specifically points out this transfer that a lot of people aren't really aware of because he's from Canada and, and whatever, um, there's some, peop- there's some pieces there on that defense that can make it pretty good. Linebacker core is pretty solid. The defensive line rotation is a huge question mark, and depth depth is going to be an issue. But they showed you last year they have the personnel to stop people. They showed it. And I think this year, because of that, they're going to win uh, a couple of games. Bold prediction number three. And I don't know how bold this is. I'm kind of underselling myself here. I think Ole Miss is going to win a game when they go in as a two-touchdown or more underdog. I may shrink that to double digits because I don't think they're going to be a two-touchdown underdog to Florida, for example. But I think they're going to sneak up and beat somebody that was a heavy favorite against them for a lot of reasons. Like I've told you, I think this offseason and the way it's gone has leveled the playing field for some, especially early in the season. I'm really looking at that Florida game as as a shining example of that. Uh, But like I said... They're going to be able to score on some people. They've got the offensive personnel to be able to score on people. And I think they're going to beat somebody that they are a double-digit, two-touchdown or more underdog to. I mean, I'm looking at Florida, looking at Auburn, uh, Texas A&M, LSU. One of those games, I think they will be a double-digit dog, and I think they're going to win one of them. Just because they're going to be able to score on basically everybody. And I think this offseason and the way it's gone has leveled the playing field when it comes to, especially early, like I've told you a bunch of times and it keeps playing out, um, I really like Ole Miss to cover next week. I think they're going to sneak up and beat somebody they're not supposed to. They're going to be better coached than they were a year ago, obviously. The offensive scheme is going to be better, and the personnel on that side of the ball is good enough to beat people they probably shouldn't. So one of those games, Florida, Auburn, A&M, LSU. I think they will be double-digit underdogs in each of them, and I think they'll win one of them, at least one of them. So there are my three for Ole Miss. Corral, 2,700 yards or more on the season as the full-time starting quarterback. 
They will win two games because of their defense. And finally, they're going to win at least one game as a two-touchdown underdog. There are my three bold predictions for Ole Miss. Now looking at the rest of the SEC, I'll start with the East and go to the West. And number one, Florida. They will win the SEC East. And I know that sounds weird because I just said I think they could lose to Ole Miss. But here's the kicker. They're going to win the East with two losses. I think they're going to lose two games. I think the SEC East especially is going to be kind of a hodgepodge of good but not great football teams. In fact, I think the West is going to be very similar to that. But here's what I mean. I mean, Florida's got difficult games at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M. They do have to play LSU when they're cross uh, divisional rivalry. Of course, they have Georgia. I think Florida's going to lose multiple games this season. I like Kyle Trask. I think he's solid, but that's just about it. And it's kind of Dan Mullen's MO, right? Until he proves otherwise, I think Florida's going to have a really good team. I think they're going to win the East, but I think they're going to lose a couple of games because Georgia's bold prediction is they're going to lose three times, three losses for Georgia. I'm not super in love with this one, but I'm not super in love with Georgia. I know they're talented. I've seen the way Kirby's recruited, and I know for some reason... There has been a book written by, I think, uh, one of the writers at The Athletic. That subhead is Kirby Smart returning Georgia to glory. They wrote a book about Kirby Smart returning Georgia to glory, whatever that means. Although he hasn't hasn't won anything yet. How can you write something like that if he hasn't won anything yet? In fact, Kirby Smart's late-game coaching is really concerning. They're in these big games, but he kind of craps the bed in them at least so far in his early head coaching career. But this return to glory narrative, and I got to see it first, and I haven't seen it yet. And now, JT Daniels is potentially going to lose his job, and so you're going to bring out this guy with no SEC experience to play Auburn and Alabama and Florida? No thank you. I think Georgia's going to have a really tough time this season. I think they're going to lose three games. I'm not a believer in Kirby Smart's head coaching ability. Obviously, he can recruit. And I think there's going to be some growing pains with an all-SEC schedule and a quarterback that's never done it. So Georgia, that's my bold prediction. Three losses for the Bulldogs. For Kentucky, I think they're going to regress back to the mean. I don't know how bold that is, but a lot of people really love this Kentucky team. And I understand why, because Stoops is a good coach. They return some bodies. They have a quarterback whose name uh, people know. But when I look at Kentucky... Uh, I think it's going to be a very solid team for what they have been. I mean, under Stoops, he's done a really good job. They're going to bowl games. They have the one outlier where they won double-digit games. Otherwise, they're just kind of scraping by to make a bowl game. Now three guaranteed wins have been taken away from them. Now they have, from the West, Auburn and Ole Miss and Alabama and Mississippi State. Those aren't gimmies, even though I think Mississippi State record-wise probably isn't going to be particularly good. I think it might take a couple years for Mike Leach to really get things going there. But where do people see a Kentucky team that's going to win seven games in an all-SEC schedule when they haven't done it yet? I'm not a big believer in Terry Wilson. I think he's a good athlete that plays quarterback and not a good quarterback that is also an athlete. They're going to regress back to the mean. I think it's a four, maybe five win team, but that goes counter to a lot of people's predictions as a six, seven, eight win team. I think Kentucky really regresses back to the mean. Um, 
wins four games with Vanderbilt, you know, I guess Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, they'll get a few of those. But I think that's about it. I don't think they're going to beat Auburn in week one. I don't think they're, they're going to compete at all with Georgia or Florida or Alabama, and they're going to lose a couple more of those toss-up games. I'm not a big believer in Kentucky this season, so I don't know if that's bold or not, but I think they're going to regress back to the mean. For Missouri, this one's really hot. This one's really hot. I might get a lot of uh, eye rolls with this one. Eli Drinkwitz will be in the conversation at some point for SEC Coach of the Year. That is my bold prediction for Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz at some point will be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. Don't think he's going to win it because I don't think they're going to win enough games, but he got no play this coaching carousel season. I, I certainly understand why, and I know he's a bit of a dork. And he said that goofy crap about how uh, Florida in November having to go to Missouri, they're not used to the cold, and that gives him an edge even though it's like an average of 60 degrees in Columbia, Missouri in November, and that doesn't affect an outcome of a game at all. He's kind of goofy, and he's kind of a dork, but don't let that distract you from the fact that he's a really good football coach. When you look at what he did as the coordinator at NC State, what those teams were then versus what they are now after he left, I know he's only been a head coach for one year, but that was a really damn good year at Appalachian State. I think he's a good football coach. I think they've got some pieces to compete. They've got a pretty veteran offensive line, a good running back, solid pieces on defense. I think they have a potential of winning five or six games, which not a lot of people think they do. I think they have a chance at Tennessee, at LSU, against Vanderbilt, against Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Missouri's schedule is pretty easy. Now, they do have to play Alabama in the opener, and that's not fun. LSU is going to be more talented than they are, of course, and, and they're, they're not beating Georgia. There's just no shot. But I think there's an opportunity there for them to get to five or six wins, which will get Eli Drinkwitz in uh, the conversation for SEC Coach of the Year. South Carolina, I think Will Muschamp saves his job on merit, not because of COVID. I think Will Muschamp will uh, have a good enough season where uh, he saves his job. He's on the super hot seat. If there was no COVID, it would be a you better win eight games or else you're fired kind of season. Uh, I think they're going to do enough winning uh, for him to keep his job. He's recruited top 20 classes every year. I know they just lost Tavian Feaster and Rico Dowdle's replacement to an ACL injury. Um, and they didn't name Ryan Holinsky the starting quarterback. It was a, a guy named Colin Hill who transferred from Colorado State to South Carolina, a graduate transfer, and you know who the offensive coordinator at South Carolina is now. It's Mike Bobo, who was at Colorado State. So there's some familiarity there with the quarterback in the new system, and he won the job. That's an interesting move, and I think there's enough talent for them to save Muschamp's job. No, they're not going to win. They're not going to go 8-2 and two or anything like that, but he will be back for uh, another year after this one, in my opinion. Next is Tennessee, and I think they are going to stink. A lot of people's sleeper pick to make some noise in the SEC East. I think the exact opposite. Tennessee is going to absolutely stink. There's your bold prediction right there. They get two pretty easy games to start the season off with South Carolina and Missouri. They also get Arkansas from the West, but I think Tennessee's going somewhere in the neighborhood of three and seven or four and six. I'm not a believer at all 
and their quarterback play, I'm not a believer at all, still in Jeremy Pruitt, although recovering last year took a pretty good coaching job. I'm not a believer yet. I think they're going to stink out loud, especially offensively. And uh, I'm talking three and seven, four and eight. Or, uh, this is still tough. Three and seven, four and six for Tennessee at best. And uh, yeah, I think they're going to stink out loud. Not a very good football team coming to Knoxville uh, at all this season. They also got hit pretty hard with COVID as well. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not believing in them whatsoever uh, when the season begins next week. Vanderbilt, I have no idea. I thought about it for a long time. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, they're going to be very bad. I think there's no way you could think otherwise. They've had a bunch of opt-outs. Derek Mason's going to get fired after this year. I mean, what can I say that's bold uh, about Vanderbilt? Um, I mean, I guess they could win a game. But that's the one I have written down for Arkansas. So I don't know. Um, I'll just, I guess I'll just skip that one because I have no idea. All right, moving over to the SEC West. Bold prediction for Alabama. Mac Jones will, if there is a Heisman ceremony, will be invited to it. And Alabama is going to go 10-0. I don't know how bold that really is, but a lot of people think Mac Jones might lose his job. I saw a lot of promise from him last year, and I think Alabama is going to be the class of the SEC West with a very significant gap between them and second and beyond. Alabama is going to go right back to their winning ways. They're going 10-0. Mac Jones is not going to lose his job because they're going to win every game by a lot of points. I'm a, I really believe in Alabama this year. Um, yeah, they're going 10-0. Mac Jones uh, will be invited to the Heisman ceremony if we get one which I guess that remains to be seen if we actually do have some kind of Heisman ceremony. Arkansas, I had to think about this one a lot because uh, I think the Sam Pittman hire was a bad one. I think they're going to be bad for a very long time. However, I do think they're going to win a game. And here, I'll take it a step further. Arkansas is going to have two leads in the fourth quarter this season. It's very sad and also hilarious that that can be considered bold for this year. Uh, They won't be favored in a single game. I think Arkansas will win one, though. I think they have a pretty decent running back. Felipe Franks is an experienced SEC quarterback. I mean, no, their roster is not near as good as anybody else they're really going to play, but I think they'll find a way to sneak up and beat somebody this season and go uh, one and nine. Auburn. Uh, they're going to finish second in the SEC West. And I don't even know... Um, so I guess there's a difference between bold predictions and what you actually think. This is what I actually think. I think Auburn's finishing in second in the SEC West. I really do. On top of, I think, the league being kind of a hodgepodge of uh, good but not great teams in the middle of the West with them and LSU and Texas A&M, I think they're all poised to lose a handful of games each. Auburn returns, I mean, damn near everybody. For the most part. they got a very veteran defensive line. I mean, that rotation is, is old and experienced. Their secondary has played a ton of SEC football. A lot of experience there. Auburn has a bunch of dudes that have taken a bunch of snaps up front. I mean, I, I actually think that this is an experienced football team that is going to finish second in the West. I think Auburn's going to start the season uh, with the win against Kentucky. I think they have a real chance to go to Georgia and win. They have Arkansas and South Carolina and Ole Miss after that. They're going to put a bunch of wins together. A pretty experienced team. 
think Bo Nix is going to take a step forward. He, you started seeing that towards the end of last year, that the game was slowing down a little bit for him. I like Auburn this year. I know I'm setting myself up for failure with that one, but I do like Auburn this year, and I'm picking them, legit picking them to finish second in the West because I'm crazy. <laughs> I mean, Gus has done nothing but let the fan base down, but um, I believe in them this year. I think they finished second in the West. It's going to be some kind of like 7-3 and three type record that finishes second in the West, but I think that will be Auburn when it comes down to it. LSU, four losses at a minimum. Four losses at a minimum, and yet again, I said this, I think on Monday, and I'll say it again today, Joe Burrow's performances in the first two NFL games showed you exactly why LSU is not going to be what they were a year ago. Turns out that kid is just special. People chalked it up to Joe Brady, and I certainly get it because Joe Brady's good. There's a reason why he's an NFL offensive coordinator. But Joe Burrow last night against Cleveland in his second NFL start with a bad offensive line in front of him was special. That's start number two in the NFL. You're telling me that Miles Brennan, even though people down there think that, that Miles Brennan is going to be the guy that replicates what Joe Burrow was able to produce? Give me a break. Not even close. On top of losing everybody else, they don't have that playing quarterback. Talk about a regression back to the mean. A huge step back is coming for LSU. Now, they get to start the season with Mississippi State and Vanderbilt and Missouri, so everybody will think, oh, they're not missing a beat. Four losses minimum for LSU. Four losses minimum. Lost too much in Burroughs special. You saw it again last night. Mississippi State, they will lose multiple, more than one, games in which they score more than 42 points. There's a bold prediction for you. They will score 42 points in multiple games that end up in a loss. That system is built for scoring, as you guys know. I'm worried about their their wide receiver group. I mean, the way that Garrett Schrader's move has been spun is kind of funny to me because, I mean, would you really transition a promising quarterback who is a good athlete, but he he doesn't move like an SEC receiver or has it didn't look like it last year. He's a good athlete for a quarterback. He's an effective runner, but the way that was spun is interesting because that told me they need wide receivers, not that Garrett Trader is the next Wes Welker. Um, good company he's in, though, according to some. Uh, other guys have switched positions and it's been a disaster. So yeah, you can name off guys that have done it and they have been great. It doesn't mean anything about this situation, but uh, that's what you get when you have coverage like that. Anyway, um, that tells me more about their lacking receivers than it does about the player himself. And I like Schrader. He's a good athlete, but you don't make that move unless you need somebody to go catch a football and they don't have it. However, uh, Colin Hill's a good player. I think Mississippi State will be really good up front. Uh, I undersold Kylan Hill. He's one of the best running backs in the SEC, which translates to being one of the upper-tier running backs in college football. Uh, K.J. Costello is an experienced quarterback, and they're going to score points on people, but the other side of the ball is fascinating. Uh, A lot of new faces, a lot of inexperienced guys, and they're going to run a 3-3-5. That transition, paired with the way Mike Leach runs his offense, and he's never fielded good defenses, I think tells you all you need to know. They're going to give up a lot of points and a lot of yards defensively this season, and I think they're going to lose a couple of games where they score 42 points 
or more. And finally, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher will end the season on the hot seat. Remember, this was a year where he was supposed to... I mean, the, the schedule was set up to where they were basically, I mean, free to go, I think it was 10-0 and 0 before they played Alabama. I mean, Texas A&M's schedule was one that everybody wanted. It was easy as hell. And now things have really changed. After they open with Vanderbilt, they have at Tuscaloosa and then Florida at home in consecutive weeks. Of course, they still have to play LSU and Auburn and Ole Miss and Arkansas and Mississippi State in the West. But um, Jimbo Fisher ends this season on the hot seat. And even though his contract is massive, oil money is a funny thing. And 2021 will be a win-or-go-home type season for Jimbo. I like Kellen Mond okay, but that's all he is. And they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. They had their best wide receiver opt out recently. I'm talking six and four. I mean, potentially staring five and five in the face. Not a believer in Texas A&M at all. I think because of the conference-only schedule, you're going to see a lot less separation from everybody with the exception of Alabama. A lot of multi-loss teams mixed in here. And Texas A&M will be, uh, and Jimbo Fisher, will be a victim of that schedule. He ends the year on the hot seat. So there you go. There are some bold predictions for each SEC team for the season. I do think Alabama and Florida will meet in the SEC championship, and Alabama's going to win it for whatever that's worth. I thought about doing a predicted order of finish type situation next week, but I think with it being game week, there's just too much to cover and too much to preview and look at for me to do that. So uh, next week, we'll really be hyper-focused on the Florida game itself because, guys, next week is when Ole Miss plays Florida. The season is here, and that's... uh, that's really exciting. So, Oh, and last thing. The powder blue uniforms. There was talk and word that those were coming. Actually, it's been like that for, a, for years now. Uh, and they finally got unveiled this week. And I know a lot of you love your traditional uniforms. Because Ole Miss has very nice uniforms. Red, white, and blue is a good color scheme. You can't really screw that up. The helmets are phenomenal. The script Ole Miss logo is very, very good. The jerseys are simple, which makes them good. It's a good uniform concept. It's a good color scheme. So I know that you want to keep it traditional. I get it. I really do. But those powder blues look really, really good. And it's not like that's replacing one of the traditional jerseys. Nobody is saying that that needs to be worn in in place of the red, for example. But as a one-off, it's a really cool alternate. And it's a cool story to tell, too, how Ole Miss ended up with a powder blue color decades ago. I think it's a funny, like, unique story that is, that is tied to Ole Miss. So, um, if you hate the jerseys, I understand. I really do. But, not to be condescending... Uh, Georgia released uh, a couple of alternates that they're going to wear this season this week. If Georgia's not too good for alternates, if Georgia is willing to uh, scrap tradition for one game to wear an alternate jersey, uh, Ole Miss isn't too good for that. If Georgia's not, Ole Miss is not either. If Ohio State's not too good for alternates, Ole Miss is not too good for alternates. Yes, you've got a very nice uniform and color scheme, it's also okay to uh, play around with it every now and then. The recruits love it. The players love it. Um, young people seem to love it. 
And they're also trying to financially capitalize off of it, which is exactly what they should do considering uh, the budget shortfalls with COVID right now. So it's a win across the board. If you don't like it, it will look better in person. Um, To those who say that, oh, they look like North Carolina, uh, you're not the only school that wears red or blue, so it's okay if you have a a similar color to somebody else. It's okay. It's a a one-off type deal, an alternate jersey, not the permanent, not replacing anything. It's okay. They look really good, in my opinion. I love them, actually. The more creative you get with uniforms, the better especially because recruits love them and the team loves them, and they're the ones that have to wear them, uh, so they should have uh, more weight than anybody else. But anyway, had to get that in there. I know the Jersey thing is a contentious conversation with a lot of you. Um, It's okay, though. It's going to be okay. I got a very angry text message from a friend when those got released, and I just told him, man, it's going to be okay. It's one game. They'll look better in person. Most of those always do. It's fine. It's a cool color. It's unique to Ole Miss with with how it came about. Um, Embrace it. That doesn't mean your traditionals are going away. just means you got a compliment now. But anyway, have a good weekend. The last weekend without SEC football. Uh, Congratulations, we made it. Thank the Lord we made it. All right. Uh, Go by LBC. Greg, tell me since you don't forget to rate and review uh, the podcast and subscribe, uh, of course, so it'll auto-populate to your phone every single day. You don't have to wait on seeing a link. It'll just happen. Uh, So subscribe, rate, and review. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Go by LBC. and see Greg. Have a great weekend, and we're talking real live SEC football next week. Have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you then. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.